I feel like you've missed out on your CES fix this year. Sadly, none of us are going to Vegas to be there in person. However, we're asking what's next, and what we're doing is offering you the best digital version that we possibly can with a bunch of incredible individuals that really are not just experts in their fields, but doers in their field, the people that make things happen. And today it's my great pleasure to talk to Moritz Voldemeyer, who I've known for a number of years, and his work is incredible. He's one of the most unassuming individuals I've ever known for the kind of work that he creates, which is wearable technology, um, but not the things that sit on our wrists or the things that go on our ankles, if we've got NASBO. Um, the things that actually genuinely entertain, delight and create art. Um, that in itself is a, is a little of an introduction to Moritz. Um, but one little question. First over to you, Moritz. Some of the incredible people that you've worked with in collaboration, and, and that's, that's kind of how I... I, I, I'm sure you'd want to talk about them as, as collaborators. Um, could you maybe give us a little bit of an intro to who you work with? Well, when it comes to wearables, um, it all kicked off with uh, uh, a fashion collaboration, let's put it that way. Uh, so initially, I worked with Hussein Shalayan on some of the pieces that uh, in the end turned out to be fashion history so uh, all the things that he showed in paris you know the first time that there was any technology uh, on the world's fashion stage uh, i basically enabled those pieces uh, and uh, what happened then was that people in the music industry saw these things and uh, wanted that on stage and so i have uh, like a whole like li list of who's who in the A-listers in the music industry that over the years we've uh, had the pleasure to work with. Uh, and it's been quite an exciting ride, to be honest. And you're, so within the music industry, I mean, that's one of the really interesting things to me is that you know, we see so much digital content and overlay and pure digital environments and we talk about vr and ar and all of these things that people now assume there's a there's almost like a natural progression that the, the physical world is almost left behind and everything will be created that way the beauty of what you do is is you genuinely make that physical so so how do you kind of view those projects do you do you see all of the technology separately or you how, how do you work with that well, uh, the things that we do is done for stage. So you can't really fake stuff on stage. You know, the person is there in front of the audience. Uh, so they come to us with various briefs and desires to uh, have things that they can wear uh, from relatively simple things to pretty crazy and outlandish concepts. Uh, and uh, so we try to... Uh, humor them you know and uh, challenge ourselves uh, and try to uh, go as far as we possibly can with whatever brief we receive you know obviously there's always constraints you know there's always a uh, time money sort of constraints uh, but uh, yeah we, we try to go as far as we possibly can uh, and does that take a variety of different types of from garment or accessory because I obviously I know one of your amazing projects of more recent years was Jamaraquai's headpiece um how did that come in almost as a brief or you know a request was it it must be something on my head or was did you have free range to say what that would be no that was always ever going to be a headpiece uh because uh, he's obviously famous for wearing pretty crazy things uh, over the years he's had uh 
like from like uh, Native American uh, feather pieces to crazy big horns, metal. Uh, I've, I've seen some of the actual real pieces, uh, like that big uh, metal spiky thing. Uh, it's extremely heavy and super uncomfortable. I don't know how he performed with that. Um, so uh, he, he has that history. Uh, and uh, so he just wanted to reinvent this in a way. Uh, and that was the brief. Uh, and uh, he said he would like it to be inspired by the pangolin, which is a, scale, a scaly anteater, looks like a Pokemon character. Uh, and uh, so that was really the starting point. Um, and uh, we've gone back and forth. And this really was like a real collaboration. He had, was very hands on and gave a lot of input and feedback. Uh, uh, and uh, we actually designed the design process in a way that uh, he could have his input and it made it like so much more pleasant and interesting you know to to do it that way uh, so we did we created a um, parametric model of this hat uh, and then put that in front of him and gave him quite a lot of controls that he could play with uh, so the design was really to ha have him design it <laughs> in a way you know or have his input as much as possible. So we, we turned it into a collaborative project also on the design technology side. Uh, and that was very exciting. What do you find really has, has an issue with either being too technologically focused or too design led? Um, because when it, some, some things when they become high fashion, um, then don't have necessarily a practical application or something that can filter down to a, a, a bigger audience. And then other things that concentrate far too much on the technology, but see either forget ergonomically or, or visually, you know, is there a, you know, a visual attraction to that? Um, do, you, do you think that there's um, a middle grounds to be found there and that there are voices like yourself and, and people that actually the, the doers rather than simply the thinkers or the suggesters or the shouters um is there a role for for people like yourself to to help promote you know the good mixture of the two well i've been following sort of the wearable domain for a very long time now maybe even 20 years so the first time i kind of uh, was got involved was uh, during my time at Philips and we're talking the really early 2000s uh, and um, in some respects that domain has made like crazy progress and in other respects I have the feeling uh, it's eternally stuck in the same place uh, and the reason why I'm saying that is uh, I have the feeling there's a real lack of fundamental research when it comes to materials so like as long as you can use relatively conventional technologies then things have progressed massively uh, and where well, the one example obviously is like mobile computing but uh, you know it's it's progressed crazily but it's always ever packaged like this and fits in your pocket and it doesn't have to get washed or things like that. But uh, really, truly integrated uh, wearables uh, haven't really gone anywhere at all. That's at least my feeling. And maybe you have other insights um, because I'm kind of living a little bit on in the niche 
bubble <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. Uh, but if you want to do like really truly flexible things or fabric based stuff or things like that, uh, there's always a few research papers here and there, you know, there might be Fraunhofer Institute come up with something clever. Uh, but it never ever really seems to make it into the real world because there is a real lack of investment and uh, uh, the the hardcore research work, research and development work uh, that needs uh, money pouring into it. Uh, and that never seems to happen. Uh, and in fact, at the moment, I'm involved in a project that uh, really shows this, um, this lack of uh, investment and also infrastructure to, to make these things happen. I can't talk too much about it. It's a little bit secretive, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a, <laughs> a little bit what, what, what's missing, I think, in that world. So, I mean, that's interesting you should say that because that, um, that's how it can sometimes feel with, you know, almost any, any product that, that and with comes to market is that it, it, and I guess understandably so when you're looking in for investment as a, as a startup, you want to be able to present the most finished product that you possibly can. Um, yes, you want your audience to have something that works, you want it to be fit for purpose, but um, it, it does it feel the same to you and so what you're talking about there that there is something missing that layer of you know experimentation that the playfulness of being able to go right what that really does work can can we test this to destruction like we do at ces and we quite literally test things to destruction there um so is that is do you feel the same way yeah yeah well my um sort of the way that i work is that uh I can only ever work on a project uh, once I receive a brief from somebody and uh, also some funding, obviously. Uh, and But normally what happens is that then there's very, very tight deadlines. Uh, and so uh, even though we we try to push the limit, you know, every time that, that uh, we get an opportunity, uh, most of the time we're just racing to get to put something together that has to go on stage somewhere or into a video shoot and sometimes the timelines are absolutely insane you know uh, it happens that we only know a week ahead of like maybe a video shoot they work on such uh, short uh, timelines uh, so we never really have the time to be strategic about it you know or to do R&D to like do something truly innovative or new so it's only ever kind of like an aesthetic design exercise but then using the same ingredients and again you know tried and tested and that's why I have the feeling the whole domain doesn't really seem to move forward uh, if you know what I mean uh, and uh, it feels that it's the same with products that come out, you know, like uh, all the wearable products in the end are like small package units, aren't they? Uh, be it like a wristband, but it's still a piece of hard electronics. It never really is anything truly innovative, um, like, uh, I don't know, sensor shirts or I don't know, something that's much more integrated and more flexible, uh, as you would imagine, you know, like, uh, what a sci-fi writer would have dreamed up about, uh, you know, for, for future technology. It, it doesn't seem to happen. Now, one of the things I touched on earlier was um, your great ability to create the physical thing. Uh, and I wondered if your clients were asking you at all to change, certainly in the year that we've just faced where physical things don't happen as much. Um, are they asking you to 
think digitally and, and you know, uh, from the end result, is that becoming augmented or is it going into a virtual world? Yeah, we actually did get involved in a very interesting virtual reality project. Uh, and I'm not entirely sure, like at what stage the client is uh, in bringing that out, uh, because they were in the process of launching that like last summer. Uh, and by then, obviously, COVID hit and everything. Uh, but I can hint a little bit at it because it's a very interesting company. Uh, the company is Europa Park, uh, and they uh, not only do they have like one of the biggest theme parks in Europe, uh, which is um, located in the like triangle between France, uh, Switzerland, and Germany. Uh, it's absolutely worthwhile a visit. Uh, they are. Uh, they started out as being a roller coaster manufacturer. Okay, uh, so they actually the ones that make the roller coasters in Disney World and you name it, all those places. Uh, and they have a business which is called VR Coaster. Uh, and I've tried this out. It is terrifying. You get uh, a complete VR headset, uh, sit in an actual roller coaster, uh, and then you're being thrown about <laughs> in a virtual world. So it's, it's insanity. Uh, so they already have that product uh, and you can, uh, there's various theme parks that have that uh, installed. Uh, Legoland, I think, is, is one of them. Um, uh, so they are very interested in, you know, the virtual and the real and how they intermix and intermingle. And we got involved in a new project of theirs. And uh, this is where I'm going to stop uh, giving you details. But uh, the funny thing is that we got tasked with the physical aspect of that as in designing the VR headsets. Uh, and that was a very challenging project. Um, to uh, like make something that has to be super rugged because it's like a theme park environment, you know, like the headsets are being put on and taken off by uh, the paying public, but with not much care, obviously. So it has to be like super tough and all of that. And well, there were all of these um, uh, things to think about. Uh, so this is the one project where we really got involved in like something new in the VR world, but Normally, as you say, our projects are very much based in the real world because we, we almost I like to do almost the opposite to like create experiences that are dreamlike or unlike that you would think of being in the virtual world, but make them real <laughs> and bring them in the real world. And this is what I love doing: is to actually craft things in a way that they're beautifully done uh, but create a sense of wonder in the real world so our business is a lot about physical things more more than software or or virtual but you're you're, you're creating some magic um and i think that's that's what that's one of the things because of course we're talking about ces it, it's funny how the the magic is essentially there when it's a physical event um, and how much of that completely disappears when you take it all online. Um, now, I know we're talking on when we're, the only way we can broadcast this is online. Um, but it's the thing that we've been focusing on this week is very much about the individuals that are making things happen. Um, and more often than not, that is making things happen in, in the real world. I mean, it's really interesting. You talk about a project there that's VR based, but actually for once, the, the headset itself, which is a wearable, um, is being thought about because otherwise we've got this weird dystopian view of the future that is people sat in 
a seat with feeding tubes and it doesn't things strapped on them all over the place whereas we don't make any of the other digital experiences seem attractive um, um, and that's something I've always thought that was missing you know with my immersion suit I've always been quite keen to, to make sure that it was as cohesive as possible even though it's a random collection of technologies I mean as a tribute today I'm even wearing my my one of one of my light up pieces of clothing not on your level um, but yeah it's fascinating to, to hear that you're you know part of that thought process to finally bring the, the stunning experiences in a virtual world to the outside and in the physical world um, now one of the biggest things that's in the physical world um, is vehicle design now we've been with the other guests this week as we're kind of exploring the autonomous world um, but Something that's changed, I guess, for you is whereas it used to be outside the cars and, and, and exploring that environment for them, you're now looking at bits of the cars themselves. How did that happen? That was uh, just the most amazing sort of coincidence. I don't know how to call it. Uh, I got put in touch with a person at Bentley who is uh, running actually like their skunk work team. Uh, so they have a small unit uh, within ben Bentley where they're looking at uh, future um, things happening around the car, obviously in their case in the very luxurious domain. So it's a very interesting kind of uh, playing field. Uh, and so that person then got us involved uh, on this future uh, concept car. Uh, so they had their 100 year anniversary last year. Uh, and to celebrate that, they created um, a, a glimpse into the future of Bentley and uh, in the form of this gorgeous thing. Uh, so like a very large coupe type uh, vehicle, extremely elegantly drawn, beautiful lines. Uh, yeah, very striking um, vehicle. Uh, and uh, they put so much trust in us uh, that we got to illuminate the whole thing. And there's light everywhere, uh, just starting with this uh, incredible front grille that is completely illuminated uh, uh, throughout the interior. The rear lights are very interesting design, uh, mixing in sort of like parametric structures, but continuing under the varnish and lighting through the varnish. Uh, uh, so a lot of interesting materials to play with. Um, uh, very complex 3D uh, uh, surfaces, um, so uh, like a full immersion for us uh, in that world of vehicle design. Uh, we spent a whole year being pretty much embedded inside Bentley, so uh, that year uh, we didn't do anything else. We were just full time on that project, uh, shuttling back and forth between London, Coventry uh, and um, crew uh and and working with their designers yeah it was amazing <laughs> i can i can see the uh, the spark of excitement in your eyes because we're just talking about cars now um so so is that you know so we ask each guest what's next is, is that the what's next for you do you feel that that's more the direction you'll start to take um and is that the direction that the the vehicle designers will start to take when they think more about the the theater of the vehicle the second question is definitely true. So Bentley have announced officially that they consider light uh, another luxury material, uh, which in the past for them was wood, uh, metal, leather, you know, and, and now it, they add light to that. So uh, it, that's a very 
kind of big mission statement, isn't it? Uh, that uh, that will be definitely a big, big topic for them for the future. But you can also see that uh, looking at all other concept cars coming out, uh, people are getting very, very interested in that topic and uh, how they can add uh, allure and theater to the vehicles. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's definitely a big topic. Uh, unfortunately for us, the timing was a terrible. <laughs> we came out with the most gorgeous concept car in the world and then COVID kicked in and they all went into hibernation and cutting back numbers. And uh, now we read news every day, vehicle production being stopped uh, in the UK for various reasons, Brexit, uh, COVID, uh, you name it. Uh, the car companies just barely stay afloat because the Chinese market uh, keeps them uh, bubbling along, but uh, there isn't much in terms of uh, growth or anything like that. So it, it, the timing was the worst, <laughs> uh, but I very, very much hope uh, that um, we can sort of uh, get going again in that direction. I personally really love the topic. I'm, I've always been a bit of a car nut, uh, so uh, I'll, I'll definitely try to be involved. Right, you and me both. So the what's next is let's get everything moving again with the automotive industry as, as, as well as everyone else. But uh, no, really, really appreciate your time today. And it's great to talk to someone that's out there, that's doing it, that's making it happen. Um, and with a slightly left field view of, of wearables rather than simply talking about the, the, the usual things that we all get to see and, and, and hear about. So thank you, as always, Moritz. Um, brilliant to have you on. Pleasure. Yeah, it's a real pleasure and uh, yeah, good to catch up. Yes, thank you. Um, so what a, what a fantastic view from a, an artist, designer, magician, uh, Moritz Voldemeyer, uh, giving us that view of, of CES that's maybe a little bit more left field. We're not just simply here to talk about smartwatches and ankle bracelets and the other things that we can all pretty much Google and see online. Uh, and we've asked what's next and we hope that we brought some more answers exactly there for you. Thank you.